Well, good morning. Welcome to Matthew. did that? <laughs> Marty, you did that, didn't you? Marty Rendleman. Yes, you did. Well, a little fun. Uh, let's get down to business. Let's go back to only God has no equal and no value, uh, no rival or no... <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey got me kind of crazy. Uh, only God has no equal or value. Our rival. <laughs> That's where we're going to start. And so uh, we're in Matthew 1. I understand you had a good lesson, and so we will begin there. Uh, it's a privilege. Pam Ratliff told me this one time. She prayed it, and I loved it, and I want to say it every week. Uh, it's a privilege to study God's words that He left behind for us for today. They're today. He wrote them when, but it's for today. So let's begin. Um, Max Lucado is a, a pastor of Oak Hill Church in San Antonio. He's also a Christian author. And he told the story. Uh, he has three daughters. Two of them were born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And he said they lived in the north zone, and all the hospitals and the doctors were in the south zone. He said he was directionally challenged and easy disoriented. These streets were 300 years old. There were tunnels, there were mountains, and he said he didn't stand a chance every time he took his wife to the doctor and then to the hospital. So he said one day he figured out he had one hope, and that hope was literally Christ the Redeemer. That's in Brazil. He said he would look and find Christ the Redeemer, and then he would know where he was. It's 125 feet tall. It's 100 feet um, arm span. It's a mile and a half above the sea level. And so he said, I would look, and he said this, the elevated Jesus is always visible. Isn't that true? Isn't that what Matthew's trying to tell us? Here he is. I'm announcing, as the statue announces him, he's announcing he's the Messiah. He's declaring, he's assuring us, this is him. He's given his, us his position high and lifted up. So, when we find ourselves lost, when we find ourselves confused and wondering, here's what we know to do. There's always hope in finding Jesus. So, if you'll turn to Matthew 1, we will begin there, and we're going to go to the first verse. And it says, this is the genealogy, the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And here's what I want you to know. I love words, and so two small words, this is. This is is certain. This is is specific. 
this is the great hall. I'm certain. Specific. It's not the sanctuary. So these two words tell us right off, Matthew's got something to say, and he doesn't take a shortcut. He doesn't go around the block. He says, this is the Messiah. It's from the son of David and the son of Abraham. There's no exception. There's no um, anticipation is over. These words up here, here's the identity. My PowerPoint got a little skewed, but that's okay. There's no exception. It's indisputable. It's guaranteed in this very first word. I felt like it was Paul Revere saying, hear ye, hear ye, this is the Messiah. And so here we have no shortcut, 400 years, and that's called the intertestamental period when there was silence for 400 years. But really, don't we go back to this promise being fulfilled to really Genesis 3.15? When he said, I will put my enmity between you and the woman, your offspring, and his. Uh, he will crush your head, he being Jesus. And you, Satan, can only touch his heel. That's how far we go back. That Genesis 3.15 is the gospel. It's the good news. And so we announced it back in Genesis. He's sovereign to come through Abraham. So we have the promise the prophecy the good news the plan fulfilled this verse this is the genealogy of jesus the messiah is um, now visible this jesus is visible forgiveness eternal life now comes alive from abraham genesis 12 3 said i'm going to make you a blessing to all the nations which would be jesus do you realize if Abraham had just said yes. Abraham didn't have any blueprints or a map to where he was going. He just said, okay. Do you think he had any idea that Jesus would be born from his line? Just yes. Makes me want to tell you and to tell me. Just say yes. So then we have David, that his um, eternal throne will be for eternal, for our king of kings. And so now I say Jesus is visible. I learned a verse this year that I love, Job 42.5. It's down there. I've heard about you, and now I see you. Haven't you had that experience? Reading God's word, holding to promises, and then you see him. Then he's visible. That verse comes alive. So Matthew wanted us to know he keeps his promises then, now, and for eternity. So here is my principle. Only God could deliver the deliverer. Only God could do this. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to start the year with this foundation. Only God. And then we'll add to it. Only God could have fulfilled the promise of Jesus Christ. Only God keeps his promises for you and for me god's promise what's what are you waiting for what promise are you waiting for knowing that he keeps his promise did he promise comfort did he promise joy did he promise to be your friend did he promise mercy what are you waiting for knowing that he keeps it are you anticipating it now 
you know, maybe you're weary in prayer. Maybe you're weary in reading the word. Maybe you're weary in hope. I'm telling you, it's real. This is the Messiah. And he kept his promise for thousands of years. So will you anticipate? Be expectant. And then there's that thought of standing on your tiptoes so you can see it's coming. Well, how long have you been waiting? A week? Maybe a year? Well, I thought you understood last week, but I prayed 30 years for Big Tommy. And in 1999, he walked down that aisle. So I know this is true, and I know he is trustworthy. God does delay promises sometimes, but that doesn't weaken them, does it? This is God's. This is Jesus the Messiah. And it says at the bottom there, all the promises are yes in Christ Jesus and amen. Yes to Jesus is a guarantee. It's guaranteed. This is not a pie in the sky or we're going to hope. This is God's word. All the promises are yes. Now, my milk says it's over on October 30th. I mean, October 3rd. It's only guaranteed for what? Another week? And it's going to go bad. My car has some warranty. I don't know how long, but it's going to end. Everything will end except the promises of God. Will you be excited today knowing that you can anticipate that all of them and I know you've got some verses you're holding on to, are going to be promises of God are guaranteed. So we'll go next then to the genealogy. Now, we're going to read every name from 2 to 16. Psych. You're welcome. I'm not going to read them. But I will tell you this. If you're pregnant and you need a name... There's a list here, and I suggest to all mother-in-laws, you might find one to tell your daughter-in-law. <laughs> the genealogy, so important, and hadn't it come back in fashion for us too, 23andMe and Ancestry.com, even my family has found a long-lost person. And so it's very in vogue today to find your relatives. Well, genealogy to them was so vital. It was their credentials. It was their um, legal papers. It proved their inheritance, their land. It was telling their tribe. It was vital for their culture. This was their only means of documents. But it was also vital, wasn't it, for the gospel so, Levitical lines also. The priests had to come from the Levi Levitical line. So, let's look at why. You can't see the top of that. Why um, the 14 generations? Why? Why are, we, why are we talking about it? Well, it's a multiple of seven, which we know is a perfect verse, perfect number. And if you think about it, creation Seven days, six he worked, seven he rested. Creation, the Sabbath has seven. The walls of Jericho fell down after seven. Nathan dipped in the Jordan seven times to be healed. Do I know exactly? No, but those are some thoughts that scholars tell me. Then in Daniel 9, there were 490 years from the return or the restoration of Jezreel. Je 
Jerusalem to the birth of Christ. If you divide 35 into 490, because every generation was 35 years, then that would be 14 generations. Again, I'm just giving you information. You might want to study it yourself. And then the Hebrews, uh, oh, well, you can see my little PowerPoint. Um, David's numerical number is 464, which is 14. It was a real nod to David and to his kingdom and how Jesus would come and stand and sit on his throne. In 1999, December, Dr. Dennison spoke and he said, Jesus could have chosen anybody to be his family. Think of that. He could have chosen anybody. And that one's messed up too, so bear with me. He could have chose kings, queens, wealthy, rabbis, politicians, straight-A students, whoever he could have chosen. But you know what he did? He chose some real scoundrels, and he's some really outsiders, and some real shysters. We know Abraham and Jacob were deceivers. We know that Judah sold Joseph to some Midianites. David, we know, bless him, was a murderer and adulterer. Solomon, his son, had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And God had said explicitly in 1 Kings 11, don't do it. Don't marry foreign women. They will take away your heart. And they did. Ahaz and Manasseh were evil. Zerubbabel was one that went back to restore Jerusalem. So there's some all kinds of people in his, in his family. All these men could trace back their lineage and their Jewish heritage. But Matthew made it real clear that Jesus was different. Because we start out that he was, or we know from the next chapter or ch verses, that he was um, conceived by the Holy Spirit. We also talk about these four women. Now, it's not just for information. It's, it's for these women who are second-class citizens. They have no value, but value to Jesus Christ. Tamar, we know, uh, had incest with her father-in-law, was um, looked like a prostitute, portrayed a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a Gentile, a Moabitess, and she worshipped other gods. And then we know about Bathsheba and David. Failed people, failed lives, um, failed families. And so here's the thing. God wanted us to know there is nothing or no one or nothing you've said or done that disqualifies you for his gift of grace. You've heard it said, the ground is level at the cross. So these scoundrels and these shysters, um, do you recognize any of them? We fit right in, don't we? We kind of smile when we read about it because we fit in. Now, no one, Max Lucado says, no one can bat a 1,000 and no one can bowl 300 all the time. And if you're a football fan, no one but Deion Sanders can take a losing team and make a winning team. No, God is saying here, all are welcome. Whosoever will may come. 
No one's outside the invitation of the gospel. Remember Romans 3.10 says, No one is righteous, no, not one. And 3.11 is my favorite. No one seeks God. Before you get on your high horse and I get on mine, remember that we were all bought with the same price of grace. Blood poured out for your sin and mine. Same God, same blood, same cross, same grace. I think the Christ the Redeemer's arms being out says, come as you are. I love the thought that any of us can come today as we are. Who needs to hear that? Who do you need to tell that? That they can come as they are. No thought, no deed, no action, no sin disqualifies you for the gift of grace. So here is my principle. Nope, hold on. Let's go back. Oh, it's at the bottom. Thank you. Only Jesus was born from sinners for sinners. There again, that word only. I want us to have that mindset. Only Jesus was born for, from sinners for sinners. So who are you thinking of now that really has missed the mark and is not going to get that gift of grace? Who do you think is beyond the reach of God's grace? He's a liar. She's a hypocrite. Putin's evil. And your neighbor's an alcoholic. So there you go. What, who are you thinking of? Well, remember, we were once one of them. And now we've been covered by the blood. So we might still see a little resemblance. He uses imperfect people for his perfect plan. So who are you praying for? Are you weary? Tired? 30 years, come on. I got weary. I'm not going to say it was every morning I popped up to, to pray for him, but I did. I did pop up and pray. But I got weary. But God's promises are yes. And we're part of that perfect plan. Jesus, Matthew, Jacob, Tamar, Rahab, Tony, ladies Bible study, we're part of his perfect plan. I hope you won't shortchange our Lord and his power uh, to change people. For sinners are all he has. I mean, think about it. <laughs> That's all he's got. Look at Matthew. Hated, a thief, called a traitor. Um, and he was changed when he had an encounter with the man from Galilee. So does anyone know you've changed? Does anyone know you've had an encounter with the man from Galilee? If not, why not? It's very obvious with Matthew, if you've watched The Chosen, which I have enjoyed, seeing him change was such a wonderful thing. Does anyone know you're a new creature in Christ and that you have a new family? Family, our God's family, is not about the bloodline. It's always been about our belief. So we'll go to verse 18, and we're going to see again that he says, this is. He's being specific again. He is certain, but he's also explaining what is happening in these verses about the birth of Christ. And he says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. And he talks about Mary was pledged to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. With the through the Holy Spirit. Okay. One scholar said, which I think is so interesting, 
that all the sexual sins that, that God allowed to be told were the reflection of Israel's unfaithfulness. Remember, Jesus or God chose them. He made them a nation. They're his people. He has the promised land for them, and they love others. They have other lovers. So I thought that was interesting that that was a reflection. I did not realize that. It also said that it prepares us for the scandalous sin of Mary, which was not her sin, but for the world seeing it as a sin. It had never happened before. There's only one explanation in the world, but you and I have the other explanation and the only explanation, the Holy Spirit. So Matthew's clear from the start. He's announced, he's declared, he's telling you there's no exception. Joseph is not his human father. He's making it very, very clear that this has been by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you have a problem with understanding it? We all don't understand it. But I thought of it this way. The Holy Spirit's role is power. He was at creation, power, life. He was at conception, power, life. And he was at the resurrection, power, and life. That helped me in my mind. And I'm going to be ready for that person that tells me they don't understand or they don't believe it. And I'm going, I have something I can say. So this marriage was arranged, I'm sure, as they were young. And that's what they, that was their culture. They were called husband and wife, but of course did not live as husband and wife. They were, I think, in the same home, but they didn't live as husband and wife. While planning this wedding, she is found to be pregnant. Can you even imagine that and what she's going to tell him? And she's already accepted it. She's already trusted. She says in Luke, may it be. But now Joseph has to hear it. And Joseph doesn't understand and doesn't believe on the face of it. And I wonder, do you wonder if the Holy Spirit was familiar back then? Did they understand it? It's hard even for us now were they familiar uh, would he understand the conception of the holy spirit he was in a crisis he was hurt and disappointed this is the love of his life and she is pregnant he doesn't understand so we know one thing about him he was a faithful man it says he was uh, a righteous man and he knew the law Leviticus 20.10 tells us he knew the law. What's it say? If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. This is the law. And he knows it. And so how does he reconcile Mary and this verse? Well, also, we do know he's like Jesus. He has compassion. He puts her, wants to put her away quietly and just divorce her and not expose her. And I think from that love of or compassion for her had to be from, from God himself and the proof of his love for God. But at that moment, to me, after he heard the angel tell him the whole story that God intervenes, when he looks at your heart and sees he was a man of the law. God wanted him to be a man of obedience, and he was. 
love covers a multitude of sins. He had love for his God, and it showed the way he treated Mary. What was the first thing he said to Joseph? Do not be afraid. He knew his heart. He knew immediately what he needed to tell him. Don't be afraid. When you surrender to God, all of a sudden you're in the center of God's will. All of a sudden, surrender turns to joy, turns to power. That's going to be our, our principle. Only God can empower our surrender to accomplish his plan. Surrender is not a wonderful word to me, to us. It equals power, his power, because you have none. Sorry. Surrender for his power. And that was the first thing he said. So what will be the first word to you from God when you do his his will, when you surrender? What will be the first words you need to hear? Maybe today you're wrestling with something he's asked you to do. Will he say, I'll be your comforter? Will he say, I'm your friend? Will he say, I'll go before you? What will he say to you when you surrender today? When Joseph took Mary and went home, I think he went with power because he had surrendered and he had his power. And he let go of embarrassment, unbelief, reputation, laughing. He let it go. He let go what the world said, and he accepted what God said in God's word. Oswald Chambers says, Be prepared to let anything go that I want to take, but never let go of my hand. And I think Joseph grabbed a hold of her hand and the Lord's hand, and they went home. And they went home with power. And they went home with a plan that God would use them. Just like Moses. Moses said, I can't go. I can't talk very good. And he said, yeah, you're going to go. So he gave him a stick and took him to Pharaoh. And we know that Moses surrendered his not having confidence and received God's power. I think of Hannah who said, I'll give you my child if you'll give me a child. And she did. After three years, she gave up Samuel, who became a judge. She surrendered the things she loved, but took a hold of God's hand. And then what about the sweet Samaritan woman? She let go of a lifestyle and became the first woman evangelist when she ran home or ran to the city to tell everyone. You know and I know, apart from him, we can do nothing. So what a privilege to surrender to God's power. Look at verse 21. She'll give birth to a son. So he gave him the gender, told him his name, told him what to name him, told him his mission. He will save his people from their sins. And he is God and God will be with us. Their yes was for the world. Their yes, he was a, they were a part of bringing Christ to you and to me. We have a connection to these people, if you will. They're bringing, they brought Christ to the world. God with us. So I want to go to verse 25. I don't want to leave without going there. Joseph was a man of obedience to the law. But remember what I said, now he's obedient to God's word. And look at God's word in verse 25. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. 
obviously he was told, I would say, somehow to not consummate their marriage. And he didn't. Matthew's making it real clear. Do you get the gist of it? This is the Messiah conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph is his legal father and the, uh, God is his father. What if they hadn't said yes? God would have figured it out. I don't mean it, but they would have missed the blessing. What if you don't say yes? What will you miss? It's costly. It was costly. They didn't understand fully, but God silenced their fears. And that's usually what we're feeling as we start something new, what God's asked us to do. What costly step is he asking you to do? Where is he asking you to surrender, to receive his power? What would you miss if you said, well, well what about or what if? Well, you know, then there's that and then there's this. But God, what will you miss and who else will miss it? Who is your yes for? God created <clears throat> Mary and Joseph for this very moment. And he asked them to surrender. He invited them into his will, his perfect will. You were created for this very moment. And what is God asking you? Where to surrender and join him in his perfect will. He knows something you don't and he sees something you don't. It's called his perfect, perfect will. I want you to remember what um, Max Lucado saw. He saw Christ the Redeemer. He saw the position of Christ. Isn't that what Matthew is saying to us? Here's, here's the position. Here's your position, and here is his. He's asking us, acknowledge his position. Take your position and acknowledge his. Acknowledge that there's only one way. And it is Christ the Redeemer. So as you're looking today at Christ, what is your position? What is your position? What is his position? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, is he high and lifted up? Are you humble? What is your position? Will you start this year with that mindset that only God, only God only Jesus fulfilled God's promise, and only Jesus can fulfill your promises. What are they? Again, are they com to be a comforter, to be your hope, your joy, your protector, your provider, your friend? All you have to do is look up. Let's start this year with a high view of God. Matthew declared and announced and was certain that this was the Messiah. And Matthew, he told that, God said it to Matthew, and they said it to Ma Mary and Joseph. Well, nothing's changed. He's saying it to you and me. Will you declare who Jesus is, his position, your view of him? Will you? Joseph never said a word, but yes. What about you? I like to end each time with this. If you'd say it with me and we'll, we'll memorize it. Say it with me. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true, has power, and it's always enough. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you 
chose Matthew to announce who you are. Thank you that you would fulfill the promise for us. Otherwise, Lord, it's been a wasteful morning if you're not who you say you are. Thank you that you fulfilled that promise. And thank you that there's only one true God of Israel, and we belong to you. Father, now I ask that today and the next day and the next, we will honor you and introduce you to anyone we would meet. I ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.